Lights. You are listening to Marvel's Polis, and I'm Ryan Padagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. I now will introduce our two guests today, which is very exciting. Uh, joining us, we have Marvel Comics writer of a million amazing things, Teeny Howard. Hi! Hi, Teeny. And, of course, we have Marvel Comics executive editor, Tom Brevoort. Hi, Tom. Hello. I feel I feel very accomplished that we were able to get this all together. Even if like everything fell apart now, the four of us talking and it works. Great job, all of us. I feel really good. Moment is important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for this episode, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun, and this is actually gonna be part one of two because we are talking about Secret Invasion this episode, and then next episode we're gonna follow up with Dark Rain. And they are very closely tied together. And we picked Dark Rain. Um, actually, we started with Dark Rain because we wanted you on the show, Teeny. And you was like, I want to talk about all of Dark Rain. I did. <laughs> I was like, I want to talk about a thousand tie-ins. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, please, no, we can't do that. But we will be talking about Dark Avengers specifically uh, and the one shot that bridges Secret Invasion and Dark Rain. And, of course, we can't talk about all this without Mr. Tom Brevoort because, Tom, um, you were editor of Secret Invasion, correct? Yes, yes, I was. So Secret Invasion is a big Mama Jamma uh, Marvel Comics event. And um, last time we had you on, we were talking about Civil War, which is kind of the the previous big Mama Jamma event in the Marvel Universe. That is true. So let's uh, a little quick recap. We are going to get into spoilers. We're going to be talking about these stories. This is, you know, a bit of a reading club and rehash and behind the scenes and all kinds of fun stuff. So if you've not read Secret Invasion and not read Dark Reign, now's the time. If you have Marvel Unlimited, you can read everything that we're going to be talking about. So Secret Invasion, it's paranoia everywhere. You have a shattered landscape of superheroes have to come together to fight off an armada of Skrulls from ships, from infiltrations, from all kinds of places. Scrolls are these shape-changing alien warriors, and they're souped up to the max in this story. And it's up to heroes and villains alike to try to stop them. Is that a fair representation of what the story is, Tom? Uh, in the broadest sense, yes. <laughs> I, I only do broad strokes here. All right, all right. <laughs> to, to landscape it for everybody, the main series of Secret Invasion started in April, the first issue came out, I think it was April 2nd, 2008, and it finished in November of 2008. And as we mentioned with Civil War, Civil War had finished just a couple months beforehand. We had the initiative, which was sort of coming out of Civil War, the 50 states, all the superheroes, registration, um, and also a lot of work that Brian Michael Bendis did, had been doing on New Avengers Illuminati, on New Avengers, uh, there's Mighty Avengers stuff. Um, but the lead-in... To this all, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, it started at the beginning of 2008, a couple months before the first issue. Um, the, the direct lead-in did start before the first issue, um, but the, the ramp-up stuff had started much, much earlier. Um, this was all things that Brian was planting and seeding as he was writing his early issues of New Avengers, that were things that he knew about that really nobody else uh, knew about or knew were, were going any place specific. So he'd been dropping little little beats and little little breadcrumbs 
uh, you know, probably going back even before Civil War, that he'd had the idea for uh, this story and, and some of what he wanted to do. Uh, and he was laying down a trail uh, that he could ultimately, you know, pick up on later on and, and turn into a story. How early did you learn about what he was thinking for all this? Uh, I learned uh, later than I probably should have, <laughs> um, you know, because he he had laid down a bunch of that stuff before really telling me about it. Um, you know, he would have told me about it, and he did tell me about it before we went into a, a you know retreat to to talk about it. Uh, and at that point, uh, you know, what I remember is, you know, he 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 gave me the basic overall gist of what he wanted to do. Uh, and at that point, there were two Avengers books. There was New Avengers and there was Mighty Avengers, which had been launched after Civil War. And it was sort of the, effectively, it was the, the, the Cap book, even though Cap wasn't in it. He was busy being dead and assassinated at that point. But by that point, I think Bucky was Cap in it. Uh, and there was the Iron Man book, which was the Mighty Avengers. So you kind of had the pro-registration and anti-registration Avengers. And everyone was divided. Everyone got their own book. Uh, and Brian, you know, called me up at some point as we were getting ready for whatever the next retreat was. And he said, hey, I want to bring you up to speed on this thing. I've been I've been planning it in the background on uh, of the two Avengers titles. It's this thing that that's, uh, you know, going to be the secret scroll invasion. Uh, and I want to do it completely in the pages of, of the two Avengers books. This is an Avengers event. It's not a Marvel Universe event. We're going to do this, so I need your help and your support as we go into this retreat to make sure that, uh, you know, this you know this stays on track and that we, uh, you know, we're able to keep control of it and it's the scale and the size that I want it to be. And so we went into the retreat and I came in with this and, you know, talked around stuff for the first couple of, of hours or whatnot. Um, and then there was a point at which uh, Joe had left the room. He had to take a call. He had to go to the, the restroom, whatever it was. Joe left the room uh, and Dan Buckley was, was there, uh, who is our, our, our publisher and president. Uh, and Dan was like, right, okay, we're, now we're going to talk about Brian's secret invasion idea. And this is going to be our next big event. Uh, and in that split second I read the room and I went yep absolutely and I totally <laughs> sold Brian out I totally threw it threw it away and went yep okay uh we're not going to win this fight you know if we if we try to have this argument here that this is not a not an event we're not going to win so let's just cut to the part where we we we've already lost and accepted that this is going to be a bigger thing and 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 let's go uh, and it probably would have been different if Joe was in the room because Joe had a different relationship with with Brian and was more likely to be at least open to, to to hearing that point of view. And it's not to say that Dan didn't, but Dan was looking at last year we had a you know whatever it was whether it was Civil War or World War Hulk. I'm forgetting slightly the the, the sequence. I think World War Hulk came between the two. Correct. If I'm if I'm remembering right. Um, so we we'd started on this pattern of. You know, we do big events every year and we're it's it's time for another a big event story and having a story come out of the Avengers books, which we're doing very well, made a lot of sense, and this is the idea Brian is building to, and 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 that's it. And ultimately, 
you know, it didn't take too long until Brian was either convinced or resigned to the fact that, you know, he was now going to be doing the story as a big event book rather than just a story that he ran in Avengers and New Avengers. Teeny, I heard you giggling during some of that. Uh-huh. Uh, as- as a writer, how do you feel about about those like the way that kind of goes down? Well, it's funny because at this point, it's like uh, Tom. For you, it must feel like you're starting to see like chickens come home to roost because like I was a super big fan of those books. Like they like books like so like events like Civil War and Secret Invasion are what made me like a rabid Marvel fan, and now I work for you. So. Mm-hmm. Just, just understand. If I'll do it to Brian, I'll do it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's funny because I'm learning a lot uh, today. That's really Good. valuable for me. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's it's great, but it's like at this point, I've been in those big rooms and I've seen like how we work as a group when it's like you know, ideas get bigger and smaller because someone in the room, you know, just says something off the cuff and everyone responds really well. And and that's one thing I really like about those big rooms is that it's like, if something catches fire, we tend to let it catch fire. And it's like, if someone's like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do more of that. Like, uh, I don't know. It, it feels, it feels good. Like as a, as a creative person, I always feel like the things I respond to the most when I hear about the making of them often come from those moments of cool, like generative, sudden, real storytelling and the urge to do that. So I don't know. It's kind of neat for me to hear like, yeah, you know, things that sometimes feel like this moment of lightning sometimes were. Um, and I don't know. Secret Invasion was a lot like that for me. It was, uh, it was my soaps. It was my story. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is, you know, having reread it for this, I think, this is my favorite Marvel Comics event up there. Like I, I think up there, I really love War of the Realms. And I, for me, it was just, it gives me special feelings. Partially, like I was reading it, my wife was looking at it. She's like, oh, I remember that was when we first started dating. And I have all these, you know, I have a photo of her with, because we made these cutout scroll masks. Uh, <laughs> Tom, we had great marketing. I have yeah. a, a photo from like, our like second or third date of her wearing a scroll mask and it's so cute and i have a lot of fondness for this uh tucker when was the first time you read this story uh it was probably 2015 which i want to say was like a year ago but now that's five years ago I want to get back to the retreat and the sort of the build of this, um, because one, I want to make sure we note for anybody who doesn't know Joe, uh, it's Joe Casada, who was our editor in chief at the time. Um, but also, I remember being in the in the rooms for these, and it, there was the one editorial treat in, in particular. Like I can close my eyes and remember the room and the the shape of it and everything. And you were planning this, and uh, you. It was either you or Dan or Brian. I don't know. Somebody had said, all right, let's go around the room. Everybody suggest a character who will be a scroll. Yeah. And ev- like literally everyone from the the dinks like me who were like Marvel.com editor to, you know, the, the marketing salespeople, editors, writers, everybody was put- pitching. Tom, I feel slighted that my suggestion of Gargoyle from the Defenders did not get incorporated <laughs> into Secret Invasion. Well, if he, if, you know, if he had been a scroll, would anybody have noticed? 
Oh. <laughs> all his all his many appearances since, you know, <laughs> 1984. Uh yeah, there was definitely a, a lot of uh uh I won't I won't say quite contention, but there was certainly a lot of animated discussion over over who could be a scroll and 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 uh, what and how far. Um, you know, because I know that one of the big uh, arguments and fights that went on in that room. Technically, there were two of them. Um, one got dispensed quickly, which was Gwen Stacy. Uh, anytime Jeff Loeb had an opportunity to maybe bring Gwen Stacy back, he would he would he would go for it. And I think I, I'm not sure if that was Jeff or not, um, but he he certainly would have been all, all right with the idea that okay, Gwen Stacy was a scroll, and the real Gwen Stacy's been on you know on, on a scroll planet or in a scroll tube since 1973. Um, and but the the other the other one that 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 people were really hot on, and I would think I was one of the people that ultimately like shouted it down was was Hank Pym, um, because people saw this as oh this is how we can clean up all of that Hank slap Jan stuff, and I kept going guys that was that happened in like 1980, you're you're telling me that for the last 30 years, uh, that character hasn't been the real character. Um, not only is are, are the readers not going to forget that it happened, but we're not going to even be able to keep that stuff straight. So, you know, you could you could have replaced characters more of more recent vintage, um, and and you know certainly Brian decided very early on, um, you know that that Spider Woman had been a scroll pretty much since the time she came into the New Avengers. I don't know that he had that right away, but he had the idea, the inkling for it very early on. Uh, and so again, he he sprinkled a few clues and things in as he went. At least that's my take on it. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Teeny, were you as a reader, as a fan, were you freaked out early on in the story by the possibility of these characters being scrolls, or what was your reaction to this? Yeah, so I also treated myself to a reread since I find myself with some inside time lately, and uh, <laughs> uh, was remembering just like. I'm laughing. I, I really love that, like that story about the exercise in the writing room because the point of an exercise like that is to see, like, creatively, right, like what we can justify and not just what we can justify, what feels right, like what justify, what what is justifiable, and like I get, you know, emotionally or narratively or whatever. Um, and it's so cool because I rem I remembered like rereading it last night that it's like you have that thought as a reader. When you start realizing what's going on, you start being like, well, wait, who's been where and what have they done? And was that really them? And then you get that amazing scene that's probably my favorite scene in all of Secret Invasion of Tony Stark being totally unsure. And it's like Black mm -hmm. Widow and Spider-Woman are like, yes, you're a scroll, No, you're not. And he's just like freaking out. And it's that amazing like Lionel U art of him just like you can see every drop of sweat on him and every line yep. in his face. Yep. And it's this pure horror moment of just like, no, no. And so, you know, I, Iron Man is my, is my baby. He's my favorite. <laughs> and, and, you know, that scene is so, is such a big part of why um, was because like when I started really, really reading Marvel comics, it was like civil war and secret invasion. So it was like the, Tony Stark emotional flogging show. And I was really into that because I love a character who suffers, mm -hmm. <laughs> but like for their own reasons and because they kind of got themselves there and, you know, Tony Stark kind of deserves it. 
<laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny, too, because reading it, I was just like, oh, my God, this is so funny to me. To Like, do you ever go back and read something and you realize that it's such a, like, obvious laundry list description of why you are the way you are as a person? <laughs> like, looking at what I write and then looking at, like, the books that I really fell in love with first at Marvel, it's like, it's the, you read the first issue of Secret Invasion, it's like, Wicked and Spider-Woman and Iron Man, and then, like... It's just, it's all these characters. And I'm like, yeah, these are, these are why uh, they were my favorites. And part of it was because I got so like worried about so like that, the uh, like there's the secret invasion, dark brain, there's the young Avengers runaways tie-ins. And there's uh, I mean, it's arguably one of the biggest parts of, of spider woman's entire arc is, is finding out that she's been the scroll queen. So yeah, for me as a reader, it was a lot of these characters that I'd fell, fallen in love with, like Spider-Woman, that I'd fallen in love with because of the new Avengers run. Like, there, a lot of you guys have seen the very embarrassing pictures of me dressed up as Spider-Woman. <laughs> like, I, I love Jessica Drew. Um, I fell in love with her really, really deeply. She was the character, I mean, I was a loudmouth, dark-haired girl, so she was the character that I, like, attached myself to when I was started reading New Avengers. Uh, and so watching all my favorites just get put through the ringer like that, I mean... That's why I like Bendis books, man. He just puts all my faves through the ringer. <laughs> Teeny and Tom, I'm curious from a, a personal perspective for you two, and we're talking about like all of this kind of work processes and things like that. Teeny, I know you'll remember, and Tom, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you will too. Do you guys remember the first time you two worked together? Because we have you here now, and that's something that I was curious about before we started recording. Was it the Captain America annual or was it something else? That was my first Marvel work, and I got to work with, with Tom, which was a great honor. Yeah, that was actually mostly Alana. I was just in the background, so mm-hmm. uh, Alana really edited that rather than, than me. Um, I, I think the first thing I edited more hands-on that, that Teeny was involved in, with, and correct me if I'm wrong, was the Marvel Knights 20th anniversary project, mm. um, and, and she did an issue of that, uh, and so that's one that I would have had more more hand in it's not like i didn't have some influence on the cap annual but really alana smith edited that and i was just a a passenger in the back seat nice those are two of my favorite things and i always ryan can tell you take the opportunity to bring up that cap annual because that was one of those moments that you see and when you read in every book every week the kind of topography of these things becomes very apparent of like oh there's something special happening here. And I'm happy to have been validated now um, that uh, a couple years later, we're talking to uh, to you, Teeny, here uh, about this stuff. Aw. Well, yeah, Tom, <laughs> Tom is right. I want to shout out to Alana uh, on that cup annual. The best. Honestly, part of why I feel like we were able to make something really special is because Alana and I, you know, clicked right away and we were talking about all of our inspirations and the stories we love and things like band of brothers and these like um, certain kind of like, you know, emotional human war stories that we really, really liked and thought would be uh, a really fun thing to tell with Captain America. And Alana was so wonderful because it was my first Marvel work and I was so nervous. <laughs> Your very first Marvel work being write 30 pages of Captain America is like, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but of course I was going to do it and, uh, I was going to do it well, or I was just going to walk off into the sunset and change my name. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, Uh, my husband is like a massive cat fan and and he read it and complimented it. And I was, 
I was like, okay, well, you're, you're the biggest cat fan I know. So it works for you. I feel proud of it. But yeah, Alana was so welcoming and so awesome. And we really like, we really worked together to make that story what it was. Like we, we really drilled down on the things that were both important to both of us. And it was cool to come right in working somewhere and meet up with an editor who is, I don't, I'm the kind of writer where I like talking to my editor, like getting on the phone. Uh, I like just, you know, tossing out half formed ideas and, and seeing where they go and getting feedback. Uh, Tom knows that I bother him enough with those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Alana was totally welcome to that right off the bat. So like the reason I've been able to do all the stuff I've been able to do at Marvel is because I've had editors who like working like that with me and are always willing to like get on the phone and, and hear me be like, okay, I know this is crazy and it's only half formed, but maybe we can build something together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back on track here because um, I also want to like pull pull back a little bit. Look at what Secret Invasion is, because to me, it's it, it feels even bigger in scope in the number of stories, in the number of tie-ins and and relevant pieces around the Marvel universe than Civil War. Tom, was there anything different or things that changed or things you sort of learned from Civil War that you took into Secret Invasion as a big event? Um, I, I'm sure there were, because you learn stuff from all of these, but you're talking about a series that's now, what, 12, 13 years old, um, and I've learned from 12 or 13 more of these since then, so being able to define it is going to be a little <laughs> bit uh, 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 difficult. Sure. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the thing that we always said, and this was, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, a thing that Brian tossed out early on, I think even when we were doing... House of M, uh, and it becomes, you know, very much the operating philosophy on building these things, is we're only going to be as good as our lousiest tie-in or as our lousiest piece. So, you know, you need to make sure that, you know, the bottom is elevated as high up as, as you can. It's not even so much about, obviously, you want to make the, the best things as good as they can be, but it's really more almost about, uh, you know, raising the bar on on what your lowest entry is and and making it a little more difficult to just do a tie-in that doesn't matter or that's a throwaway story or or that doesn't really tie into things um because in aggregate you know the audience isn't necessarily most of them are not going to buy and read everything because we don't tend to have a lot of millionaires who follow our comics and and so you you can't afford to do that you're going to pick and choose the pieces that of this story uh that you read and, you know, your your impression of it's going to be colored by how good every piece is. And if you read four books and one of them's a real turkey, your take on the, the, the whole series is going to be, uh, you know, much more influenced by that uh, than if that's one book out of 40. Um, doesn't matter. If you read four and that was one, you're 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 25% to the bad. Uh, so, so you know, we always tended to, to, to try and have a relatively uh, strong bar for entry. To, yeah, and, and, and the, you know, the, the operating premise coming into this is relatively simple. Um, you know, you need to have a scroll in your book somewhere. Um, that was the easiest uh, buy-in for, for most people during Secret Invasion anyway. You know, once you get later and... There's fighting in the Savage Land, and then the fighting goes global, and it becomes about embrace change and and so forth. There are other avenues to, to entry, 
um, you know, but, uh, you know, particularly in places like uh, the initiative, you know, there, there was a lot of, oh, we're going to, uh, you know, we'll reveal that, that, that whole, whole teams of, of superheroes in different states or scrolls and, and that will, that will, uh, uh, you know, turn things over and inside out from, from where they were. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up Embrace Change as well, because to me, one of the all the things that we really excelled at from Civil War and leading into Secret Invasion was the marketing and those Embrace Change images. Um, I, they're great. I, I, they're so weird. I remember when they were being put together in the office and I put I posted one on Twitter. We got a couple of responses because those are so vividly emblazoned in fans minds. At uh, Wally 132 says, I remember being legit creeped out by the Embrace Change ad campaign. Amy Thunderjam says those Embrace Change ads were some of my favorite comic marketing ever. And um, Steve Green says the buildup in the books was great. You really thought anyone could be a Skrull. It created an air of tension in the books. The other thing that stood out were those ads. The human and Skrulls together really sold the idea of what the Skrulls wanted. Um, Tom, I know, you know, your head's down trying to make books, but what do you think when you first see those those Embrace Change pieces come through? Um, well, again, I was around for them being formulated. Uh, and I think probably pound for pound, Secret Invasion probably had the best marketing campaign uh, that one of these has ever had. Um, that that you know, our team and our guys had learned from Civil War and, and the things that worked there and the things that didn't work there. Certainly things like Civil War had a very simple slogan, whose side are you on? Uh, and that got replicated in Secret Invasion with Who Do You Trust? Um, you know, things like in Civil War, uh, there were the little uh, uh, like sign-off uh, graphics that people would have in their, their, their emails or their social posts. I'm on so-and-so's side. And we manufactured a bunch of those. And then the fans ran off and made every different version of those that you could make. Um, so, so going into Secret Invasion, you know, there was a real focus, you know, from... Uh, you know, our guys, uh, Dan Buckley and uh, Mike Pashulo, who, who really headed up a lot of those efforts um, to come up with ways not only to market things, but to quantify and kind of communicate how the story is rolling out to the audience. So, um, you know, we didn't start with, oh, there's like three acts that kind of came from them saying, OK, this is going to be there for three months or six months. I forget which. Uh, and we need to differentiate these. And so, okay, this one will be Secret Invasion, and it'll be sort of subtitled The Infiltration. And this one will be, I forget what the other two were. One of them might have been Embrace Change. And so at each point, it was sort of like, okay, at this point in the story, uh, this this event is going to hit, and then the marketing will change and shift. Uh, and those Embrace Change ads are weird. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're really strange uh, and almost not obvious, because like if I'm remembering correctly, like there's nothing on them that says secret invasion. Like it's it's just it's almost like they're you know PSA ads, and the idea was oh this is kind of like the propaganda that now the scrolls are here and they're taking over and 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 they're going to make Earth their planet. This is kind of the spin that they're trying to communicate. Uh, I remember that it was at least somewhat influenced by Battlestar Galactica. Like people were very into Battlestar Galactica at that time. 
uh, and there was, you know, there was stuff going on there with, there were Cylons among the, the, the crew, and maybe people were human, or maybe they were secret robots, and a lot of that sort of thing was in thinking was in the zeitgeist, so people were talking a lot about that kind of, that kind of impact, and how you get that across, and there was also the, 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 you know, the quasi-religious aspect that, uh, you know, again, in Battlestar Galactica, there was some sense of it, of it being like a jihad or, or a, a, you know, a holy or religion-based conflict. Uh, and some of that thinking got applied to, to Secret Invasion as well. So it's not just that the Skrulls are coming and taking over because they don't have a planet, but there's, uh, there's texts and there's prophecies and there's a whole, there's, there's, there's more, uh, there's more to this than just a land grab or the standard invasion, that there's a belief system and that these are uh, people or or beings, critters, that you know have a belief system that you can understand and that are, are you know are, are trying to, to, to achieve something and make something of this that they believe is, uh, you know, uh, space biblically motivated. <laughs> um, so 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 all of this kind of went into the into the the, the hopper of the marketing. Tini, you sounded like you you uh, you reacted very visceral, viscerally to those ads. Oh my gosh! Well, I was laughing because uh, one, I love that. Yeah, they don't look obvious. They they look. I always thought they looked like the kind of photos that when you buy a picture frame. <laughs> they 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 were the original photos. <laughs> the original photos that those are built off of were all stock photos. Yeah. Like they they had gone out, you know, Mike Mike Bashulo and his team went out and sourced a bunch of stock photos, you know, like we looked through catalogs and things and we found photos that you could go you could take and go, Okay, if we take that figure and we paint him green and we put bumps on his on his chin, it'll be a scroll and that'll and that'll work. So those are absolutely uh you know, all all, all that kind of, of image because the, the source material was very much that. I just want to like stick one on my wall along with like other family photos and like see see how long it takes anyone to notice. <laughs> I mean, not like anyone's coming over to my apartment for the next month or whatever, but <laughs> someday when I can have friends over again, I should totally just like frame one of those with my other photos, real casual. <laughs> Photoshop, get someone to Photoshop my wedding photos. So I look like the straw queen and just like put it up on the wall. Oh man. Uh, to our producers who are on the line with us, Jorge and MR, uh, I think that's an investigative piece we need to do is to find the original models for these uh, stock photos and then show them their scroll versions uh, because <laughs> that just sounds bananas. And um, then like, one of them is like, you've discovered me and like pulls their face down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, let's, let's start getting into uh, more of the story stuff. Uh, Tom, you mentioned the infiltration. There's a great collection actually called Secret Invasion, the Infiltration, that has a bunch of books that set things up. I just want to mention it really quickly because um, the, uh, having reread it, right before I read the main story, I thought it was it was great. It was New Avengers Illuminati issue number one, uh, New Avengers 31, 32, Mighty Avengers 7, New Avengers Illuminati 5, Avengers Initiative Annual 1, and New Avengers 38 and 39. I went through those very quickly, but there's like reading those, it's like really cool pieces because we see how the scrolls capture Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Professor X, Namor, Black Bolt, and Reed back in the day to help build their super scroll army. We get 
you know, um, the the main reveal of Skrull Elektra in New Avengers uh, feels now even to me. I was reading it and it was like so tense and so cool. Um, <laughs> I loved I, I still I love that bit. And then like it follows up so quickly with Skelectra, uh going, you know, we get her in the hands of Tony Stark. Um yeah, it's it's a lot of a lot of fun reading these pieces again and seeing how the whole tapestry comes together. Um, you were also obviously editing. Were you editing all these books? I'm... I think if I didn't edit all of them, <laughs> I edited most of them. Yeah, I'm looking at the the titles, especially New Avengers would have been, you know, a, a core book of yours. Yeah, yeah, and I did the Illuminati and I did Avengers: The Initiative and so so all of that stuff. I think was stuff that came out of my office. I meant to pull it out, but I, I didn't. The first piece of uh, like original art I ever got um, was my friend Sunny Lee, who did some covers and stuff for Marvel back in the day, did me a piece of the Illuminati. Uh, and that was like the first piece of original comic art I ever got for myself was a piece he drew for me of, of the Illuminati. Uh because I, I love the Illum- I love the Illuminati. I love the Cabal. Like, give me all of these dark hotties making plans together. <laughs> <laughs> it's like wrestling. I love a good faction. Like, yeah, I love a good heel faction. Yeah, they're not like a, they're not the team that goes out to fight necessarily all the time, but they're the ones making the plans, getting on the microphone, making all the noise. It's the best. And like. Not to jump ahead to Dark Rain, but like there really is a read on Dark Rain that's just Norman Osborn booking a really good fight with like Ooh. his Avengers versus his homies. Like there's so, he, just Norman Osborn booking fights. It's so good. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on Norman Osborn, which we will get to later on. Because this is a Secret Invasion podcast, we do need to talk about Secret Invasion. Uh, the story <laughs> written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Linneal Francis Yu, inks, Mark Morales, colors by Laura Martin with Emily Warren and Christina Strain, letters by Chris Eliopoulos, and covers, uh, the main covers by Gabriel Delotto. Murder's row right there. Right? Oof. Everyone on these books. So good. Uh, Laniel in particular, I wanted to mention, I know Teeny had brought Laniel up and, um, there's a, a panel in the first issue of Secret Invasion where you find that the Hank Pym scrawl, uh, there's a, a moment with Reed where he pulls out his blaster, he turns Reed into goo and that, that panel of Reed as <laughs> goo draped over things is one of my favorite panels of the entire series he's so good and as i was putting this together i was thinking oh yeah of course he just come off of new avengers with brian um he had done a big run there and i was wondering i was going to ask you tom was the plan for him to do secret invasion but now what you've said is that brian always wanted this in the pages of his avengers books i i feel like it was just like there was no never a question uh, I think you're you're pretty much right. Um, you know, Laniel going to do that from New Avengers was just a natural outgrowth of, okay, it's going to be an event series. Um, you know, whenever we were going to do an event series, we would put the biggest guys that we had, uh, you know, at, at any given moment onto it. Uh, and so I think it just naturally, uh, you know, went that way. And you could see it on, on New Avengers because all during Secret Invasion, while we have really good people on it, they're they're alternating like every every issue every two issues because there is nobody regular there because the regular guy is actually over on secret invasion and i'm running around trying to figure out who we can get to do an issue or two issues 
you know, all the way through to the other side of that of that event. It all works out that there's a lot of really cool bits and pieces in the tie-in books, um, which we'll talk a little bit about towards the end. Um, in the first issue, I mean, this is, you know, if you joined us for these reading club issues, there's we, we, we try to go through each issue a little bit slower, but there's so much that happens because the story really encompasses like it, it's massive, uh, whether it's Squirrel Dum Dum blowing up Sword Headquarters or yeah! Squ- <laughs> I was, I was rereading that first issue, I forgot how many swerves there are that are just so heartbreaking because you're like, oh boy, the Fantastic Four are here and they're gonna save the day. Oh my God, Sue! <laughs> like, <laughs> like such a perfect event book setup where it's like you get like every team in the Marvel universe is like, it's okay, we see the threat, we'll get it, and you find out every team has like a mole on it and it's just it's sometimes the most heartbreaking choices like sue it's like no mommy mommy like, <laughs> like hitting the raft and the cube the helicarrier thunderbolt mountain the bringing captain marvel in who's was was that brian's idea was he always wanted to bring in this this scroll captain marvel no that was a that was a holdover from civil war um there was in the original talks about civil war at some point, there was talk about we should bring back the original Captain Marvel. And again, this was a contentious uh, uh, a question. Did we want to do this? Did we not want to do this? Uh, and the story that ended up happening there in uh, this one shot that, that showed up right towards the end um, was that it's Captain Marvel, but somehow he's come forward through time. So it's Captain Marvel before... He's died of the cancer, and at some point we'll have to send him back. But in the meantime, yay, he's here and he's Captain Marvel. And nobody was really satisfied with that. One of the reasons we got to that was in the very early planning, there was talk about doing stuff with Captain Marvel, and it didn't happen. And then as we got to the end of Civil War, uh, Mark wrote Civil War scripts. Uh, It may have only been the script for seven uh, that had scenes with Captain Marvel in them and we were far enough behind and things were were dire enough that it was like we couldn't go back and go oh Mark we need you to rewrite all of this stuff uh and so uh you know we very quickly you know Steve Wacker proposed and then put together that Captain Marvel one shot in in jig time it was one of the first things he did uh upon coming over and so then we were sort of in this situation where there's a Captain Marvel here there's no project. Nobody's working on this. Nobody's doing anything with it. And nobody's really happy with the way it was all pulled together. So as we started to talk about Secret Invasion, at a certain point, we went, well, okay, what if that guy's a scroll? Um, you know, that's a good person that could be a scroll. It's it's right there. Um, it plays on the history. Uh, and then, you know, I guess kind of further to that, you know, I don't remember if it was Brian Reed specifically who came up with this or if it was... Uh, Brian Bendis or one of the other guys in the room could have been anybody. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't know entirely know he's a scroll, and so uh, you know th- there could be a tragic reveal. And and but basically we can we can take care of and and make some good applesauce out of uh, you know out of this this thing that we accidentally backed into. That's one of my favorite things about writing comics, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going and finding something and being like this really spoke to me and finding an editor be like we did that because we had to or it was an accident or we were trying to make space for an artist or something like that was a function of 
production, not a function of the story. And being able to go back and being like, well, now I'm the storyteller. So I get to say it was a function of the story and make it work in a way that, which is great also because like Tom said, it's sometimes you can take something that maybe doesn't feel entirely satisfying to either you as a fan or just whatever, but maybe something was like, oh, that was a function of production. So at the time, maybe it wasn't satisfying to the story that they were making, but I can make it satisfying to the story I'm making now. Um, I love that kind of stuff. I love that, that kind of the function shaping the medium. I like writing comics because I like writing in sequential art. And I also like writing in a serialized medium. I like giving people a chunk of my story at a time. Um, and, but because of that, the way we make comics, we end up uh, very often, you know, it's constant. Um, it's at the speed of, it's at the speed of always. <laughs> so uh, things like that happen, but it's just, it's like Tom said, it's like making applesauce or, or apple pie. If you don't like applesauce. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. That's some good apple pie because I really dug the Captain Marvel thread throughout Secret Invasion, especially when we get to him towards the end. That his last words to to no to um to Marvel Boy, I was like, damn, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, that stuff with Novar just like carries forward. It does, and and keeps being cool. Yeah. Um. You know, we we talked about there's so much in this first issue. Uh, one of our our listeners, buddy Jiggy Cruz, says the first issue of Secret Invasion was like a first inning that had hit after hit after hit. It really felt like Bendis and you stepped up to the plate and they did deliver. It was such a huge event that speculations on who to trust were all over the internet. Yeah, I remember just people were. Yeah. All over themselves throughout this, like as the first issue, you know, this is 2008. There's plenty of Internet going around. Um, not quite like it is now, but uh, people were losing it, especially when we get to the moment with the ship that crash lands in the Savage Land and out come all these characters. And you've got yep. like Emma Frost and you've got the Beast and you've got like character after character. Uh Tom, as a as as the storyteller, as the editor, like knowing what you're setting up here, like how much fun is that to to see come on to the page? Um, it's it's certainly fun. Uh, again, that moment, and you know where it ended up, was probably the most discussed and argued uh, piece of the of the whole thing, because you know going into it and just pitched as a an offhanded, you know, the, the, the simple version of it, it you know, the, that moment was, you know, the ship comes down, it opens up, and pretty much 1960s Marvel comes out. Um, and, so, and, and so everybody was, like, super into that idea, uh, except that everybody individually was precious about particular characters. So, like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. A 60s Marvel shows up, and we can get rid of all the stupid crap that's happened since. But don't touch Iron Man. We can't touch Iron Man. Let, don't, let's not do it. But everybody else, yeah, absolutely. And everybody in the room had two or three different characters that they were worried about. And it's, again, it goes back to that earlier question of, do you really want to invalidate years, decades of stories? But it was such a, a you know, a daring and such an exciting idea that the ship would open and all the you know all, all, all the versions of the characters from when you were a kid or when the the people in that room were a kid uh can you know come <laughs> come come out uh and and go look it's it's us you know your childhood is back all the all the stuff that ruined your childhood none of that happened it's it's us we're back um 
And, and so that's kind of the, the promise of that moment. Um, I look at it, you know, sort of after the fact, and I haven't really gone back and read Secret Invasion probably since I put it out. I did not do any work for this. I didn't, didn't pull the trade or the hardcover out. I haven't looked at it. So all of this stuff is, is entirely from memory. I do feel on a certain level that it, that's a great moment that doesn't quite pay off to the extent that it should. In that, when you actually sit down and add up who came out of that ship that ended up actually being a character, um, it's a relatively small list. Most of those guys are scrolls um, because they had to be scrolls, or and because uh, that was where things fell. Um, you know, and I think if if individual writers or editors had had their way, more of those characters would have been genuine, uh, and that would have been more legitimate. But it really would have made a mess uh, at the same time. So I'm not. I, I don't regret that it is what it is. Uh, I just feel like the the payoff on that on that setup is not as uh, uh, as good as it as it could have been. It's a great spread, though. Looks amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, Lando's yeah. terrific. I also love how this part, this ship here, we get the mirror of the the ship at the end. Um, with the actual one that has more of the people. And, and I do understand what you're saying. The payoff is maybe not there, but like, you know, the mockingbird of it all and, and the mirror of how that starts in the beginning with the, the scroll mockingbird. And then we get actual Bobby at the end. There's yeah. even if there's no like long-term payoff to sit back and read it now, the way we have, or the way many of our listeners will maybe for the first time, I think it. I think it's there, and I think it lands, and I think it's really, really well done. Well, that's all just because Brian is very good at this, and and very good, <laughs> you know, not only at, at kind of pushing everything forward, which he would constantly, you know, do, uh, and sometimes he, you know, he'd push at things that for one reason or another you couldn't do, or or he wasn't allowed to do, um, but you know, he's 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 very good at, uh, you know, those emotional moments and getting inside the characters' heads and making you think and question what's going on. You know, the scene that Teeny was talking about earlier where where Spider-Woman tries to convince Tony Stark that he's a scroll, um, you know, is is a is a is a crazy scene, but it's a scene that totally works because you as the reader aren't sure in that moment whether or not what she's telling you is real any more than the character is. So, you know, you as the reader and the character are on the same footing and the same page, which is a rarity. Typically, either the reader knows more than the character or less um, because of, you know, whatever the story happens to be. Uh, and it's a rare case where both the character and the reader are equally wrong-footed for the duration of that conflict. And these are all things that Brian is very good and very adept at, at getting to. Uh, you know, the internal machinations uh, and emotional journeys of the characters, less so than the physical, you know, uh, uh, you know, punching and hitting stuff. It's not like he's terrible at the punching and hitting, but his his focus is always on the emotional uh, journeys, and and that's the stuff that makes a lot of this uh, go. Particularly once you get past the opening issue and into the the actual guts and 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 heart of the story. Yeah, that's kind of what I was gonna say. Like part of what I love so much about those that that span that, that that great like run of Bendis events is that like so many there were so many books during those that like 
kind of new Avengers y Civil War, Secret Invasion, Dark Reign arc that I was reading really religiously, like two of my favorite books of all time, X Factor and Invincible Iron Man. We're both running through there. Um, and there's a lot of stuff I was reading. Uh, and it, the those big like Bendis event books have that great feel of like it feels like everyone meeting up and you have that like kind of like Ryan and I were saying earlier that WrestleMania feeling of like oh crap everyone's gonna get together and they like I've been wait I've been wondering since so and so in their book did a how B was gonna react you know like so it's like they had that feeling of like not only are they gonna meet up to beat up the aliens and save the day but also when they meet up they're going to have to settle this score or they're going to work together, but they're going to have to deal with the fact that they broke up first, or they're going to have to deal with the fact that they aren't on the same team or that they, you know, whatever, like, like all of those um, great moments. Uh, and it like, it feels like it, I don't know, because the situations surrounding them are always so different. It never feels repetitive because like Bennett's is really good about being like, okay, this is about you and, you know, like civil war is about, you know, um, like choices, but secret invasion is about identity, you know? Um, and they each surround these things, like Tom said, that are really personal, but, and you know, it's just also to talk about secret invasion again as a horror book, like that's a really, it's really great horror writing that moment where you feel like I'm as scared as Tony. Um, and like, that's something that you see a lot in like horror movies and, and, you know, horror comics where you have that moment of relating entirely with the protagonist in pure fear. And like, it's, it's adrenaline inducing. It's exciting. <laughs> it's as exciting as reading anyone punch anyone else. You know, it's, it's, it's fully makes your heart pound when you read that stuff, even though it's just two people talking in a room, it's brilliant work and it's brilliant art. So you're like, I mean, that scene makes my heart pound. <laughs> <laughs> Teeny and Tom, I, I, it's funny as Ryan and I have been doing these reading clubs because we find that there's just so much to talk about, like in the lead up to these things actually happening. So just looking at the series at large, what moments come to mind in terms of being the most impactful, the most impactful to you, the things that you remember the most, your favorite moments, your favorite scenes, things like that. Um, uh, Tom, let's start with you. What, what, what comes to mind <laughs> just kind of in the broadest sense that way? You're asking me about a, about a, a book I did. I haven't looked at in 12 years. Um, so then in terms, in terms of, remember, in terms of yeah, making yeah, I, it, maybe I, I remember the, you know, I remember all of the, the stuff that's already been talked about, about the initial issue. I remember a, a bunch about the last issue. I remember bits and pieces you know, again, as you as you go through the the the, the different issues, um, and as stuff comes up, obviously I go, oh right, I remember that. Um, you know, again, most of the stuff that I tend to remember are tend to be my frustrations rather than the stuff that I thought was really great. So you know, just just sitting here thinking about it, I remember, oh right, uh, on Mighty Avengers uh, during this run, we did a run of I don't remember if they were main covers or variant covers at this point that were classic Marvel covers that had the characters as, as scrolls. Uh, and I remember that we did one, and, and I believe it was Marco Djurjevic who, who did it. Um, that was, it was a terrific piece uh, that, was, that was Ares. Uh, and it was Ares, but it was Ares as a, as a scroll, and it was the cover of Conan 1. And at the, last, <laughs> at the last minute, Legal came to me and said, oh, we can't do that because we don't have the rights to Conan anymore. And I went, but, 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 it's not, but the... And they said, nope, you can't. And so that that cover has not seen print 
to this day. Um, I don't have a file. You know, I'm sure it, maybe it's archived somewhere. I don't have a file of it that's big enough to to run or to use. But uh, so so I just ate that 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 poor cover. It's one of my one of the casualties of of war. One of the losses of the invasion uh, was this Marco Jurjevic piece. <laughs> um, so I remember stuff like that. That's not quite what you're what you're talking about. Um, no, no, that's that that the the making of. I'm just as interested in as in terms in terms of the in universe stuff. I remember that you know Dan Dan Slot was writing, uh, uh, Avengers: The Initiative, uh, and in one of the one of the meetings, you know, as people were jostling ideas around and so forth, uh, Brian, you know, very definitively, uh, but offhandedly said. Yeah, and then I'm going to wipe out all of the initiative kids here. And Dan went away from that going, oh, my God, he's going to wipe out our... And he literally spent two or three issues of the initiative right before Secret Invasion writing all of his main cast out and bringing in a whole new cast of characters with the thought that, well, if Brian's going to wipe them all out, he'll wipe out these guys, and then my guys will be okay. Uh, and ultimately, none of those guys got wiped out either. So suddenly, he had twice as many characters he was dealing with. But it was absolutely a, a response to this this sort of casual moment that became a, a, a bigger deal thing. Um, you know, so there's there, there are a lot of little things like that where uh, you know pieces don't hang together, or or you know people react or 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 make choices on the fly. So I remember stuff like that. But, uh, you know, again, it's tougher even to tell where one issue leads off and, and the other one begins this, this long after the fact. Teeny, what comes to mind for you? Uh, in addition to that Iron Man scene I was gushing about, I guess uh, this is so obvious because this is kind of what I suggested for the thing. I guess I'll say the end. Uh, I love Norman Osborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not the very end, but the, I guess we're talking spoilers, the, the kill shot. Right. Yeah. I always loved the fact that Norman Osborn took the kill shot. I love that it's like a frustratingly clean ending to a really complicated story. Um, and I just love everything that comes out of that moment. Like that to me is just like one of my favorite upheavals of the Marvel universe. Uh, it made me, it, it's like what started me down my dark path of loving Norman Osborn as a character. Um, and I really, really do. I think he's, one of the best villains. Um, and so I love, I love that moment. I love that it's the way it's played. It felt really, uh, it felt really like, and it still does feel really like of the time, but not in a way that's dated. It feels like, you know, sharp and, and, and incisive and like a little, he did, you know, Norman Osborn does it, you know, he, he does it for political reasons. <laughs> you know, he's, he's uh, a very, very calculating dude and it's a really great moment that out of these events of uh you know moments of you know identity and allegiance and heroism and this and that and the other that one of the big gets from it is this guy that's totally not a hero at all gets to be the hero for a little while um so you get that moment of like oh good like the secret invasion is over things are going to go back to normal and the world is changed in terrible ways uh i love it that's that like to me that moment sets up so many of my favorite Marvel stories. It sets up the entire Norman Osborn versus Tony Stark arc, which is one of my favorite things of all time. Yeah, it's great. That's that's so 
Mwah, chef kiss to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tini, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I was think I love it too. And in a reread, this my reread here, one of the things that I absolutely loved is a small thing in his dialogue. At the it's the the kill shot happens at the bottom of a right hand page, page flip, and you see Norman with the, the rifle and his dialogue there, he, he just has a small stammer when he said in, in one of the words and the like you i got such a feeling of his like adrenaline and emotion and like the the whole sense of that scene is something so simple and so beautifully done in the writing and the pacing and the, the that whole setup right there i thought that was just pitch perfect yeah, and I think you can take that stammer and snowball it into, you know, the end of the first arc of Dark Rain, of, of, of you know, everything that he, you know, hides and, and suppresses. Like, you can, that, you're so right, like, that stammer, you can just roll that stammer downhill and that becomes Dark Avengers and the Cabal and all that stuff. Oh, so good. Love yeah, it's so good. Such good stuff. <laughs> Tom, you know what? You make some good comics, you and the, the people you work with. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, you're, well, you're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, that kind of puts us at the end. Well, Tucker, you you asked the question. What, what about you? What's your favorite? I think I was going to say, just at large, I agree, the Norman moment. But just, it's, it's very striking now. You see the kind of undulations of these moments and um, these characters that have moments. That's something Ryan, you and talk, you and I talk about really often on the show is just like, Oh, this character is for some reason having a moment right now. And it can be an extremely esoteric character. Obviously that's not the case with Norman Osborn, but it's really interesting to look back here and see um, the gravity, the gravitational pull that he had. And, you know, that moment, and then exactly like Tini mentioned, going into Dark Avengers, going into kind of a whole bunch of other stuff. And, you know, um, there are there's a huge amount of of weight and focus and just just page numbers over the course of however long this is from here through Dark Avengers, through Siege, through all of that stuff um, uh, that really revolves around this character. And I think um it's absolutely one of the highlights of like one of the kind of greatest you know most storied longest lasting villains in the marvel universe to have this period where there was so much complexity built into the character and there's so much um there's just so much work that can be done with him there's so much to play with there's so much um to analyze there and i think that speaks to the strength of the character and i think that speaks to the moment i think that speaks to um you know so much about what made all of this great is just being able like Tini mentioned to have these big action beats action sequences or something like that and then you have these incredible dialogue scenes where you're getting to know um a character you're getting to know literally the addition um ryan like you mentioned of one m and a dash you know, in, in him saying, make, make sure none of them weasel away is it's, it, 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 it speaks to the strength of everything from that level of detail up to the biggest degree, because, uh, because, because it, it can withstand that level of scrutiny. And I think it's, it's really, really incredible. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, sorry, I said some more thing about Norman Osborn because I love yeah. him so much. Um, <laughs> We're going to talk about him a lot in the next episode. <laughs> I know. I'll save it most of it for the next episode, but I'll leave on this. Um, the 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 big thing I think that's so 
so cool about it is he gets such a genuine arc that's so, so far removed because he is trying so hard to distance himself from the goblin. So he it's not like he gets an arc about him trying to distance himself from the goblin. He gets an arc about, he gets arcs about totally different stuff. He gets to go do all this different stuff, but it does that thing again where it puts you in the same position as the character because you, as the reader, are reading this, waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it takes so, so long before you see that he even still gives a shit about being the goblin at all. Like you have at this, at the time, like you, you convince yourself that he really is a different person, yeah. just like he's trying to do by the reveal at the end of Dark Reign uh, or Dark Avengers 1, which I will leave for next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that is a great way for us to just about wrap this up. I will just say before we leave Secret Invasion, one of my favorite things is at the end of issue number three when Fury shows up with the Secret Warriors and Laniel draws the biggest friggin' gun in <laughs> the world. Yep. I think about that gun like once a month because it's got this weird <laughs> bit of business on the, the, the bottom where it would be in like his shoulder. I just think it's beautiful and just absolutely bonkers. And I, it's amazing. <laughs> With that said, we're going to wrap up this episode, but uh, we are going to keep Teeny and Tom along for the ride for one more episode. A little bit, we're going to talk about Dark Reign uh, and specifically Dark Avengers, the first arc of that storyline. Of course, we do have some new books on Marvel Unlimited this week. Plenty of cool titles for you. Uh, I think one of the highlights for me is Amazing Mary Jane number one. And um, I know, Tucker, you love you some Immortal Hulk number 25. Those are just a couple of them. And we have a whole bunch of issues from Daredevil in the uh, 283 through 289 range. Those are some cool issues with art by Lee Weeks, who actually drew the Captain Marvel Secret Invasion storyline that Tom had mentioned by Brian Reed. It all comes full circle. You see, that's how we do it here on Marvel's Pull List. Tom, Teeny, thank you for joining us on this one. Sure. Thanks for having us. And of course, this episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Tucker Marcus, Jorge Estrada, and MR Daniel. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton actually owns several issues of Top Dog because Brad Barton knows what's up. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe.